Revolting is produced by the Cycling Independent, with the support of subscribers like you and additional underwriting from Shimano North America. We are community-focused, community-supported, and dedicated to the whole of cycling. Always remember, at the Cycling Independent, if you ride bikes, you're one of us. This is Revolting with steve and Robot on the Cycling Independent, episode 30, Road Trippin'. Wow, 30. <clears throat> that's, a, that's a lot. Yeah. And content warning, excuse me, I'm going to slide my table ever so slightly. We're obligated to tell you before we start that this podcast contemplates both mature and immature themes. You might not like all the words we use or the ideas we bring up. So if you're sensitive about these things, maybe this isn't the podcast for you. It's okay. It's okay. We still love you. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So I would like to say that, again, I'll probably reiterate that Robot has come up with a lion's share of ideas uh, that we've talked about. And I've just been dead weight i think i have come up with maybe one concept or two concepts maybe and uh the rest of it's my fault (laughs) yeah yeah it's been a i haven't really i haven't been as involved as i as i would like to and i've given the i've made the uh description no uh uh Example, I've used the example of my friend Tina used to say, tell me a story. And I would say, I, what? No, I can't. And then she would bring up like some innocuous topic like postage stamps. And I was like, well, yeah, I've got all kinds of things I can say about postage stamps. But to come up with the idea itself, that's been a little tricky for me. So today's episode is one that I did come up with all by myself with my very own brain. You're welcome. And, and what a relief, because I was flat out of ideas. Dead out? What was the expression? Fresh out? Fresh out. Fresh flat outwards. busted? All of my, all of my, uh, what are the, this sort of colloquialisms? Like, I've lost all of them, and now I'm just inventing them randomly, yeah. and I, yeah. I just, yeah, so whatever. It's just putting words together. We're going to do the best we can. With what we've got, which is very little. Get ready for some word salad, people. So, so, so this episode, yeah. yeah, this episode is about road trips by bike, maybe by yeah. car, maybe yeah, good whatever. ones, probably bad ones, because we tend to that's that's much funnier to talk about the bad ones than the good ones, I think. But before we do that, we're yeah. gonna, we have to do the music pick of the week. Oh yeah, and <clears throat> you said. Because we just kind of go into hibernation between recording episodes. Uh, yes. So, like, we don't do anything or <laughs> ex- ex- exist in any way. Uh, you said that you didn't really have anything that tickled your fancy this week. Well, you know, if I'm going to be lazy about it, uh, spoiler alert, um, I I'll p- I'd pick Idols, and and I know everyone already listens to Idols, so it's a lame pick. But actually, I was talking to a friend the other day, and they were like, "Oh, what does Idols sound like?" I was like, "What do you mean? What does Idols sound like? Everybody knows what Idols sound like. They're like the biggest. I don't know if you call them a punk band, but they're the biggest punk band in the world right now." Yeah. And what the reason I'll pick Idols actually is because I just bought tickets to see them uh, here in Boston. And the tickets were $35, which if you've bought tickets to a what I'll call big band show anytime recently, $35, that is the right price. Uh, I bought tickets also recently to see Jawbreaker, and those were 60 bucks each. Jesus. And, I, and they don't even have a new record out. And I love Jawbreaker. 
that will divide divide opinions and i don't care i like jawbreaker and but i love them and i was even like 60 dollars 60 bucks that's a lot of money punk that's not punk at all no who somebody uh Oh God, I don't even remember. I think it was like, I saw that there were tickets to, there was like a John Mayer concert. Yeah. And I should, I should note for sake of full disclosure that, uh, I'm not a, you know, I don't celebrate John Mayer's catalog, but I do acknowledge him as a talented musician. Even though your body is a wonderland, you don't celebrate? My body is the worst kind of wonderland. It's like a condemned wonderland. It's like a fun house. Like a broken down. It's like a Scooby-Doo amusement park with yep. ghosts. Uh, so the tickets for his show, like, like general admission or something were astronomically expensive, you know, and like floor front center was like over a thousand or something. And I'm just thinking again, you know, like is everybody, does everybody have money except me? Cause I, you know, I couldn't, <laughs> I could, I just couldn't for anything. I couldn't do, I can't pay a thousand dollars for anything. I wouldn't pay a thousand dollars to see myself. I don't know what, I don't know who, I love music. I love music. There's no one I would pay a thousand dollars to see. No, no. Well, like I said, like I can't, I don't, I don't have a thousand dollars. I am like, I am bleeding myself dry to pay for orders for like product to sell on my store. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, like yeah. just to keep my business afloat, like I might have a thousand dollars here. there, just max out my credit card. Cause you know, like I still have the Fisher price, my first credit credit card that has like a <laughs> limit of, of, you know, like $1,200 or something. <laughs> so, uh, I just I, got this whole vision that you like park your truck in the Fisher price garage <laughs> with yeah. the little crank elevator. It's, it's not, that's not far from the truth. I can't even afford a fucking Fisher Fisher price garage. Like I, uh, well, I'm, those are, you know, astronomical on eBay. Now those I'm are so collector's broke. items, but go on. I'm so broke. I can't pay attention as they say. So anyway, whatever I, you know, like I'm still, I, if I pay, if I have to pay $15 or $20 to see a show, I'm just like, well, I guess I'm not eating tonight. You know what I mean? Mm. Like it's, everything has gone up except for the amount of money that I make. (laughs) Anyway, yeah, so I don't mean to laugh at your poverty that I feel yeah, like I was just laughing it's, because you were expressing it in a humorous way. But yeah. I, don't, I don't want to diminish it at all. No, it's just sucks. I mean, I'm not, you know, I got a roof over my head, so that, I got that going for me. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, OK, idols are great. Um, <laughs> I, I think that, you know, I've described them as being sort of. Uh, it's like if the Jesus lizard got chewed up and regurgitated out of the mouths of some English dirt bags and, you know, it's like, it's that same, uh, it's that same flavor of, of rock and roll. And yeah, I love it. I love it. I can't, you know, there could be a million bands that sound exactly like mud honey and I would like all of them because I love mud honey. You know, I'm not, I just, I'm a, I'm a one trick pony. I have pretty specific tastes. The shit that yeah. I love, I love and I can't get enough of it. So we'll say that. Uh, my pick is yes. uh, Swami John Reese mm. from rocket and hot snakes and all of those bands. I love so much. He just released a solo album. It's him and a guy named uh, uh, Jason, <clears throat> who plays drums also in the Hot Snakes, and a keyboardist named Joe, who Joe something begins with a G, and he's just like a local San Diego uh, legend guy. He's music musical omnipotent musician, I guess, and um, it's great. And I've been listening to that almost nonstop. That record has a lot of swing to it. John Reese is just, he's just, uh, he's good with hooks. He's good with, he understands jazz. He understands, uh, uh, 
bebop and blues and rock and how they all tie in together. And uh, then when I was looking, I was, I don't know what I was doing. I was just kind of, oh, I was trying to find out if the guy listed uh, as drum, for drum credits is also was also the guy in the hot snakes. And it's just, it's just a moniker that he uses. Um, and it was then that I learned that John Reese also did a seven inch with Mets. Oh, I like Mets, which is fucking great. Like it's a whole, it just, the guy's just all over, he's all over the map, you know, in terms of his ability and, and, but it's so specific. The music that he makes is so uniquely is love. it. It reminds me of, the replacements after they signed their big contract because they stopped playing like trashy punk rock and started playing things with more swing. Yeah. It was like rock and with a swing influence. So it reminds me of that. It's, it's a real good listening. It really is. It really is. And I don't get starstruck. Like I've always thought about, I think, you know, remember back in the seventies, everybody carried like autograph books. Yeah. Like that was the thing. And I, I don't think I've probably since I was in my early teens, like, I don't think I ever really was super starstruck when I saw anybody or met anyone. And as an adult, because I've stuck in the same scene for so long, like the people who I looked up to, whether it be cyclists or artists or skateboarders or musicians or whatever, uh, we kind of, to a degree, kind of travel in some of the same circles. So we might even be acquainted with some of these people now after all these years. But I did, when I finally got a chance to meet John, I was, I was stymied. Mm. I maybe even called him Mr. Reese. I can't fucking remember. Oh, shit. I know. I was just like <laughs> hat, hat in hand. How, how old is John Reese? Mm. He's older than us. Yeah, maybe by a year or two. Right. Not much. But I mean, here's what I'm going to say about that. If you are our age or older <laughs> and you still make rock and roll like that, yeah. hats off. Yeah. Hats off. It's hard work. I got a, I got a real man crush on that guy. Well, and, you know, besides just the way he plays, and, and I think we've talked about this before as a non-musician, I feel like I miss out on a lot of subtleties that as a musician, you know how to make those sounds or, you know, you have a general idea how to make those sounds. I don't, you know, like I, I feel like I'm, I'm tasting a, a delicious bite of food, but I'm only getting half of the flavors, you know, oh. or maybe, know. maybe two thirds. I think you feel them. You feel, feel them. Feel the flavors. And like I said to you before, I mean, I, I played uh, music for some years and I do hear things that I think, oh, that's clever. Or, oh, they did that. Look what they did. In some ways that cheapens it. Mm. You know, you're actually kind of taking a peek behind the curtain a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you're like it, it enhances the experience and sometimes it's like, well, yeah, he cheated by doing that thing or, you know, it's I don't know. Once you get into the techna- technicalities of art, I think you you're on dangerous. You're on thin ice. Let's mm. mix all the metaphors. Let's use all the expressions. <laughs> you know, I think you've got a real sticky wicket when you're on the thin ice with the uh, with the bird glass in your house hand and the where you throw the stones. Penny saved. Yeah, it's a seven ten split of a whole thing. <laughs> Uh, okay. So yeah, those are my picks. And and I should say, I don't know when this is, this episode is going to be published. Um, but he released this record, this record recently. Uh, uh, and they, they did a real limited release of black vinyl. And then there's going to be a larger release of, green vinyl, which is funny because it's always like, I think the misfits did that a bunch of years ago where they, uh, released a seven inch and they did the majority of the records in the colored vinyl. And then the limited release was the black vinyl. And I guess that's sort of similar to what John is doing with this one. And I think that is probably supposed to be out come springtime. So we'll see. 
Anyway, all of that being said, let's talk about road trips. Yeah. Tell me a road trip story. Well, the reason I, I guess kind of what I was thinking about, there was an article in bike magazine that came out a bunch of years ago and the editors gave four of the riders or three of the riders $50 to do a trip. What some kind of a trip, like what can you do with $50 kind of a thing? Mm. And I, I thought that was a, a neat concept. Um, that reminds me of that Red Fang video where they get a check from the label to make a, yeah. make a video. Yeah, they buy a really nice samurai sword and cut a bunch of shit up with it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I don't think I have had any bad ones. I haven't had many epic ones. I did an epic one two years ago uh, yeah. that, that I'd wanted to do for 20 years at that point i was at the mammoth mountain bike race and i saw these cool off-road pop-up campers and i was just thinking i'd put that on my truck and i'd build a little fold-out drawing table and my cat and i would go all over and visit friends and it should be travels with charlie the steinbeck Steinbeck book yeah yeah it should be noted that at that point i didn't have a truck and i didn't have a cat I didn't have any of the things that I needed and I didn't have the money for the camper, but so I always kind of wanted to do that trip. And then at one point I was looking at like little mini RVs and, you know, I just dragged my feet and dragged my feet and dragged my feet. And finally the universe pushed me straight into the corner and put a gun to my head. And, uh, I got one of those campers and I was on the road for six months and it was epic. The motivation behind the trip was a bummer, but the trip was super fun. It was everything that I wanted to do all of those years. That's pretty so great. That's that's the big one. But little, where, what's that? Well, what places did you go? Uh, let's see. So I started in the Bay Area, drove up through Oregon, got the camper in Portland, went on up to northern Washington, uh, flew back to the Bay Area for a family emergency flew back to Northern Washington and continued my trip. So from there I went to Wyoming and then down into Colorado. And then, uh, let's see, did I go? I guess I went to Kansas city and then up, uh, God, I don't even remember now at this point, but I did it like a big loop. And uh, once yeah. I was in Arkansas, I was going to head down to Georgia and Florida and see some friends in the South. But I had been so absolutely ravaged by the heat and the humidity in Arkansas. It happened to be the hottest week or 10 days of the year. And I was just fucked. I couldn't sleep. I was being hounded by this horse fly that was chasing me all over the state. And uh, so I cut it short and I headed back to Kansas and then spent more time in Colorado. I was in uh, Minnesota and Wisconsin, Illinois, and basically just kind of rode my bike, you know, like drove a couple of hundred miles and I'd see something interesting or be a billboard for like a, a mine that you could ride around in a boat, you know, like a flooded mine. You could get in a boat and cruise around, see stuff. So nice. I just like no agenda, not that much world's, money. World's largest ball of string, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I hate driving. See, <laughs> This is <laughs> like I'm driving makes me fucking crazy yeah so I, I never spent you know i never spent very many hours behind the wheel i was just spent you know slept crashed in people's at people's houses or i'd made i'd made the shortest line between points that i could yeah yeah i hate driving i hate it see that it's kind oh. of kind of kind of in conflict with the whole concept of going on a road trip how many you like doing road trips i love doing road trips i fucking hate being in a car though so yeah it, yeah so that is, contradiction that is the absolute <laughs> truth like if you're like hey do you want a road trip to i mean it couldn't it could be like to delaware which you know like i'd be like sure i'll go to delaware with you i don't yeah that's cool um i ha- but i have a bunch of like interesting i mean they're interesting to me my, the first vacation my wife and I took together, we bought a used car and we drove from Boston down to Florida um, 
like late winter just to try to get warm. And then on the way back, the car broke down like the clutch plate cracked or something like that. And we were in Lumberton, North Carolina. And this was like a Friday night. And so the mechanic was like, and also the mechanic's accent was so thick that my wife couldn't understand him. (laughs) I had to, being a Southerner, I had to like translate. (laughs) So, um, yeah, we ended up staying at the, what inn was it? It was, what's the one with the yellow sign? I forget. Anyway, we stayed in like one of those exit 37 hotels mm-hmm. uh, for the whole weekend until the parts house opened Monday morning. And since we didn't have a car, like we ate all our meals from the Denny's across the parking lot. And that was that was it. Um, but I think we both have fond memories of that trip. Have you been to Lumberton since? No, I have not been back to Lumberton. Hmm. I wonder how old were you? Twenty two, maybe three. See, at twenty two, everything's an adventure, you know. Like, right? I feel like I'm trying to reclaim a little bit of that whimsy, you know, where you just whatever happens, happens. Like, you know, like try to not be too committed to uh, yeah to a concept or to a blueprint, an outline, whatever. Yeah. You're just going to get in, you're going to get in and you're going to have, you're going to go somewhere and you're going to spend yeah. a few days and it might be great <laughs> and it might be not great. But as long as, you know, you don't get hurt, nobody else get gets hurt, you don't get carjacked or something like, but yeah. even then, you know. Good story. Maybe you're going <laughs> to, maybe you're just going to eat a Grand Slam breakfast on a terrible polyester bedspread while you watch H- rerun HBO movies all weekend. Yeah. You know, but I was with my best girl, you know, yeah. so fuck it. Um, and then I had another one. We drove down from, well, we drove to New Jersey and got in my friend Cheese's 1973 Cutlass, which was this beautiful muscle car that he put together. And then we drove down to the Outer Banks in North Carolina. And I don't really remember anything that happened in North Carolina for all the reasons you would think. And then on the way back, uh, Cheese lived in New Jersey, so or he does live in New Jersey. So he we got back to New Jersey, and then we got dropped off out in Western Mass where we picked up a Datsun something or other. My buddy Sean, his dad would collect these tiny, shitty little Datsuns that didn't really run. I don't know why. They had like a barn and he had like three or four of these cars, none of which were right. None of which were like, get the keys, let's go somewhere. There were were parts cars for other projects or something, or he just had a thing for Datsuns. I think they were each each other's parts car, and he Mm. just liked the idea that he was going to fix them up, but... that was never going to happen. You know, it was one of those kind of like, I like the idea of kind of things. Yeah. Hoarders tend to kind of do that. You know, you're, they are so committed that this giant pile of sheet metal is going to be their retirement. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Or copper that, pipes or whatever. So we're out in Western Mass, which is probably, probably a two hour drive. Oh, no. Actually. Oh, okay. I'm screwing this up. When Cheese dropped us off in New Jersey, we got in the shitty Datsun that had gotten us there. But it barely got us there. Again, it was some clutch issue. It it could get into second gear and third gear, but I don't think first or fourth was available. <laughs> so you had to park facing downhill. Yeah, anytime. so we we had to push start it, and we drove it, Sean and I drove it, from New Jersey back up to Western Massachusetts. And we had to take back roads. We couldn't take the highway because we couldn't get up to highway speed. Right. We basically did the whole trip between 25 and 40 miles per hour. (laughs) And it's like going up the hills. It was like you were just praying that it would crest the hill. Yeah. Like downhill, probably maybe you'd get 45 and we got back to Western Mass and we swapped it out for another shitty little 
Dotson that I think brought us back to Boston. But that was that was funny. See, that was well, you're telling this story in the, the East Coast. All of the eastern United States is a total mystery to me. Like, I don't I have spent so little time there. And the, the idea I mean, I understand, you know, uh, geographically how everything is laid out. But the idea that, you know, you're like in the same time zone as Florida, which is in my mind is a totally different planet. It is a different planet. People like, oh, you know, people in Pittsburgh are like, oh, going to D.C. for the weekend or people in New York are going, oh, going to Boston for the weekend. And, you know, having spent my entire life uh, uh, geographically isolated in Colorado, like where the fuck do you you go to Laramie or you drive six hours to Kansas City? You know, there is nothing. You're surrounded by nothing. Right which has its advantages and its disadvantages. And then I went to the Bay area and it's fucking six hours to LA. Like you can't, there's no, just like jumping in a car and, and popping over to whatever fucking yeah. New York to see your buddies. Well, when I was younger, like it's, it's a solid, maybe 16, 18 hour drive to Florida. Maybe it's more, I don't really remember, but when I was younger, we used to do like, yeah, yeah, we're going to drive down, uh, down the East coast all the way. We'll just take turns driving four hour shifts. Let's just go. I met my wife on a road trip like that. A big group in a van that was going camping. Well, I I didn't know that you, I mean, that's, that changes the dynamic of today's topic entirely. Like, you know, we can have little anecdotes about getting in a car and, traveling somewhere and seeing some stuff and having a little, but you met your wife on a road trip. And and that's, that just kind of trumps any story that I could come up with. Well, that's a good story. The road, that trip, because this, so this was my junior year in college. And at that point I was aware that I was an alcoholic, but I did not know how to not be one. And spring break was coming up and my friends were going on a trip. They were going skiing and I had no money to ski and I didn't know how to ski. So I assumed that I was just going to be drunk in the house for a week. And I was like, that's that is so terrible. I can't let myself do that. So my you friend Mike, you didn't want to be an alcoholic at this point. You didn't know how to not be one. You knew you were right. one, but you didn't, that's right. But you didn't want to be one. That's right. Okay. And, and I and I was in the mode, I was in like damage control mode where I was trying not to put myself in situations that I knew would turn into total fucking yard sales. Mm-hmm. And so like a week stuck in a, a house while everyone else is out doing something was not like that was just not going to go well. And my buddy Mike, who lives in Seattle now, I'm going to see him next next month, next month. Um He's, he was like, oh, let's do one of these community service trips. And there was this community service center at our college, and they would go down to like the national forest and plant trees or just do some shit that's benign and good. And I was like, yes, I will go on that trip because then I won't drink myself to death. And then like two days before the trip, Mike was like, Mike is a neurologist and he was he was like, you know what? I have to study for this. <laughs> I'm not going on the trip. So suddenly I didn't know anyone on the trip. And it's probably, I don't know, 20, 20 people. Uh, so I was so pissed off at him and I was just pissed off and fucked up in my head anyway. So I go on this trip and um, there's this girl, cute girl. And I'm like, this is not happening. And uh we get down, we drive overnight to Georgia, um, Savannah, just outside Savannah, Georgia. And we have to take a ferry across to this little island. There's these coastal islands uh, like Georgia, North Carolina, South Carolina, all these coastal islands. And we were doing some work on one of those islands. Really beautiful place. But so we parked the van and everyone's loading up to get on the ferry. And I had been the last driver. And uh I locked the keys in the van. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm like, 
oh no and i'm and i'm just a mess i'm just like a human i'm a walking pile of human confusion and mess well you're not you're not drinking either but, so if mm-hmm. your body's you're are you having any kind of like withdrawal on top of all of this i couldn't even tell you i was chain smoking i was just like Oof. i was a, rough yeah i don't know what was i can't really tell you what my brain was doing but so the chaperone of the trip was like well you have to stay behind and get the keys out we can't like spend a week here come back from the island exhausted and then have to figure out how to get the keys out of the van. So I was like, you know, everyone gets on the boat and I look at this girl and I'm like, will you stay behind with me to deal with this? And she's like, she kind of rolls her eyes, but she, she did. And so we spent, I don't know, the next three or four hours on this adventure trying to get a locksmith to get us in the van, to get the keys out, we had to get money to get a cab. What did we do? We got a cab to an ATM to get money to pay the locksmith. And then we cabbed back, paid the cab, hmm. and then the locksmith showed. It was one of those kind of things. I don't even know how, you know, in the, without a smartphone, I don't even know how we pulled this off. Like oh, maybe but. we just yelled cab, cab <laughs> well, in this shit little town in St. Mary's, Georgia. If you're at a, if you're at a, if you're at a ferry terminal, there's likely going to be cabs around. So, the, and then you get to a phone booth and you look up. Yeah. See, <laughs> back when I was a kid, we used <laughs> phone books. You know, it's so wild to you don't even you don't even think of like how to be resourceful anymore because you don't have to be. I think there was a phone book and a payphone involved. I think that's exactly what happened. I think there was a payphone at the ferry. And we called a cab and it was the it's the kind of place where there's not like the cab doesn't show up and it's the painted yellow car with the thing on the roof. It's like some woman showed up in a minivan and was Mm. like, y'all call a cab. And we were like, sure. That's that's awesome. That's so obviously you you got the van. Did you get a ferry to the island and continue with the week or so you just you were just late later than everybody else? Yeah, so we got the keys out and then we got the next ferry. And at this point, I think she had we had gone she had gone from like hating me to I don't know, seeing the funny side a little bit. And then we took the ferry over and we started to talk on the ferry. I think there were sparks. And then once you got off the ferry, there was like a three or four mile walk to the campsite, like with backpacks and stuff. So we we sort of artificially or accidentally got to spend all this time together, just the two of us, that sort of bonded us before we got in the main group of people. And then, you know, stuff happened. And actually, that was 30 years ago this coming Monday. Wow. That's brilliant. That's beautiful. Yeah. I really I appreciate I appreciate that. Appreciate that story. Yeah. Thank you. You're very welcome. Oh, hey, it's story time with steve When I was eight or nine years old, my mom and dad bought me my first BMX bike. It was a JCPenney Free Spirit. And in time, I went on to put some nice accessories and components on it, like a tough neck stem and CW bars, which just made it sort of the embodiment of putting a nice frame on a shitty painting. One day I was hanging out at the local bike shop, which during the winter was a ski shop. It was a little tiny place run by this guy named Andy. And one day he gave me a 10 inch long die cut Shimano sticker. It was blue. I didn't really know what Shimano was or anything about it, but I put it on my top tube and immediately made the bike 150% cooler. It was around that time that I probably became a lifelong shimano guy i want i want a i want a story like that i don't have any stories like that i i, I don't believe you i think you're holding your stories back because i think you have i think you have an unlimited well of stories no that's like that that's like the happiest ending like the disney like a disney it's like it's a fucking movie you just you lived a movie I've, I, I imagine I, I, the van was the van burgundy because in my mind the van was definitely burgundy. 
I think the actually, van. Actually, don't tell me. I yeah, don't want to know. I'm not going to tell you. You just paint the burgundy. details. I I feel like your wife maybe had a bandana rolled up and wrapped like tied around her neck. That maybe for hiking sure. Hiking boots. Yeah. Oh wool, yeah. Big tall wool socks. Yeah. Jeez, oh, what a, what a fucking scene. Yeah. Okay. This here's a okay here's a road trip story. This has no romance, and it's it was all bad ideas. <laughs> so there's a guy named Jay. And Adam, both of whom I went to school with, and Jay was from Kansas City. Jay and Adam, actually both of them were from Kansas City. And Jay had a 1967 Buick Electra soft top. And Adam and Jay drove from Oakland to Colorado to pick me up where I'd been I'd been living for a few months with a couple of friends of mine. And they showed up to Evergreen. I got in. There was, I remember there was a fender, like a spare fender sticking out of the back of the truck. And the truck was fucking huge, right? I mean, these cars are like, they're like 20 feet long. And uh, so the goal was to, there's a fender. Yeah, there's a fender. There's an acoustic bass. Adam was a bass player and there's acoustic bass. And then I threw my bike in there. So he just had, it was just this like, yeah, I don't know. It's like the clamp. It's like all the shit strapped on. I was going to say it's the Beverly on. Hillbillies, right? Yeah. Out of the back of the car. And the goal was to drive to Kansas City and back to Oakland with the top down the whole time. And um, and so you shine. couldn't hear shit in the back seat. Like if you were in the back seat, you were just, you were in no man's land. You couldn't hear the radio. You couldn't hear conversation or anything. And we would take turns driving. And um, Adam was on this like super Hunter Thompson kick. And he was like, we should you know, like start holding up uh, gas stations. I mean, of course, that plan didn't really grow any legs, but <laughs> we did drive with the top down. And uh, my hair was I had like one big, long dreadlock on top of my head that just went straight up because the wind in the car <laughs> would just kind of blow my hair straight up like that. And at one point, I think we were in we got followed by a cop. We were in Lincoln, outside of Lincoln, Nebraska. I can't imagine. Got you got followed by a cop? Really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Jay was having really terrible allergies. So he had buried himself under all these blankets and stuff into the back seat. And Adam and I got pulled over and <clears throat> the cop said, you know, it's illegal to pick up hitchhikers. And we said, uh, OK, you know, no problem. We, we we won't do that. And just then Jay, like, like a fucking zombie, like claws out his way out of all these jackets and blankets and stuff. And his eyes are swollen shut and he's got all this snot like <laughs> glistening, like running down out of his nose over his mouth. And he can't breathe. He's just like, <laughs> comes out and the cops startled by this, by this horror like kind of jumps back and like puts his hand on his gun and Adam and I like, no, 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 <laughs> that he, he owns the car, <laughs> you know, but like, and, <laughs> and he knows that we're driving. Like, <laughs> no, there's nothing that we no could say. No crimes are happening. Even though. <laughs> no. I know. Like we had to say he owns the car. We're, we're on a road trip. He knows that we're driving. He's not captive. He's not a hitchhiker. He's and Adam's not a hitchhiker and I'm not a hitchhiker. Like we're all we're all good. And this actually reminds me of another story involving <laughs> cops. Robert Ives and Scott Berg, who are the two of the the jumpsuited uh one speeders who yes. I've raced with for years. Yeah. So we're driving down to Anaheim for the Interbike trade show, the whatever the last year it was there. I guess it was ninety six, maybe. And we're in Robert's beat up Volkswagen van and we pull into a gas station in Ventura, California. That's I think place. down where, yeah. is that where Magic Mountain is? I guess. Sure. Okay. So we pull into this gas station and there's a cop sitting in the parking lot and it's, I don't know, it's nighttime, it's late. And we are wearing uh, our jumpsuits. Like we're all wearing orange jumpsuits yeah. and we get out. <laughs> and uh, I wash the windows and Robert puts gas in and Scott, I don't know, he put to take some trash out of the van or whatever. And uh, then another cop pulls into the parking lot and then a third cop pulls into the parking lot. We're like, <laughs> huh? You haven't okay. made the connection between your orange jumpsuits. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a fucking correctional facility like two miles from here. And we didn't know that. But, you know, whatever. We get in the van and we drive away. 
immediately they light us up and we pull over. I'm driving. It's like license and registration. The van is registered to Robert's mom. So who the fuck is Sharon Ives? And we're like, oh, uh, his mom and a driver's license. I give him my driver's license is out of state. It's a Colorado driver's license. It might have been expired. And the cops just like, what the fuck are you guys doing? Right. Like, and oh, Robert said, yeah, Robert said, we're going to the bike trade show. We're a we're a bike racing team. And the cop goes. Tricycles. <laughs> and we said, no, bicycle, two, two wheels, but to bicycles. And all of these cops are just standing there. It's like, there's no fucking way that you guys are this dumb. <laughs> like this, this has to, you know, either you are the smartest criminals in the world or this is just, you know, just dumb luck that you happen to be looking like you're formerly incarcerated and now you're on the lam and none of the paperwork makes any sense. And, you know, the fact that we were three white guys, I know. Uh, Saved your life. To our, yeah. Uh, yeah, potentially. I mean, there was like, they were just incredulous. The right to be stupid in public is a white privilege. We should, we should acknowledge yeah. that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And we were, you know, we were, we were as forthcoming as we could be, but it didn't, nothing that we were doing made any sense to the cops. And how are you going to explain like, well, we race in coveralls and we're going to this trade show and our whole shtick was, we're going to wear our coveralls all weekend. And and if you're, you know, and the cops like that, none of that makes any sense to you. If you're not, you know, in the small little segment of the scene. Yeah. So, but you know, legally it doesn't have to make sense. Right. It's no, not, it's not against the law to be nonsensical and stupid. No, but it's a judgment call on the cops on the, you know, the cops holding all the cards. So it's if it if he if if they realize to whatever degree that it the story tracks, then you're free to go. But if they you know, it's really it's fucking scary. Like, I don't. Yeah, I'm not going to say I don't. I don't like cops. Uh, I, I'm afraid of cops yeah. and I, res- I respect not the authority or not their position, but you know, my dad said two lessons that my dad gave me at a really young age is there's always going to be somebody bigger than you and, and, and just stay the fuck away from cops. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> Those are the two things that, that Mike taught me. Yeah. And, and it served me pretty well, you know? I don't, I don't, I don't want to have anything to do with any, I don't have, I don't want to have anything to do with cops. Yeah. So in those two instances, you know, I knew I wasn't doing anything. Um, I wasn't doing anything wrong, but I just didn't want to fucking have to explain myself to somebody who clearly wasn't going to understand. Yeah. And had the, all the power. So yeah, there's a couple road trip stories. I love it. I knew you had them and I know there's more. I know there's more. We'll, you know, we're going to talk about Frisbees in a future episode. And you're going to be like, I took this great Frisbee road trip. You're going to have more. I know you are. Um, let's get to question two. Uh, oh, yeah. I haven't even really. What am I? What is it? Oh, <clears throat> yeah, I did read this. If a, long, <laughs> if a long bike trip where you carry all your stuff is called bike packing is a long car trip where you carry all your stuff, car cap, car packing. Going car packing. Car packing. I think that's just a road road trip. Because yeah. I reckon backpacking existed before cars. And and so and then that and then it just became a car trip. Because probably rich people were the first ones to have cars and they didn't know anything about backpacking or having to carry their own shit around. Guess that's so. got that's my uh that's historical perspective. All right. So we're going to just say, we'll, we'll say it's a, it's car. It's just a road trip. Road trip. So, okay. Next part of the question is if you had one 90 minute tape, like you did in 1989, that would fit two albums on it. So if you're too young to know this in the eighties, when you were driving around in your car that had a cassette deck in it, you would buy blank tapes and record a record on each side of the tape. That was a common practice. Yeah. Uh, and you would sometimes try to have those two records be thematically consistent. 
But if you were as organized as I was, you would sometimes end up with Peter Tosh's legalize it on one side (laughs) and black flag damaged on the other. And you would not know why you had done that. It just seemed right at the time. It's just I only had one blank side and I needed legalize it, I guess, because that seemed important. (laughs) So you're going on a long car trip. You've got a cassette deck. You've got one tape. What would the two albums be knowing that as you drive, you're going to listen to one record and then fast forward to the through the blank space at the end and then flip it. And you're just going to flip that thing for, say, three days. Oh, boy, that's a that's a good one, because there's been so many records made since 1989 that I would love to listen to. But that does make me think of I had a dubbed copy of master of puppets that ended it in in like a slow part. And I I think it's the song is Orion. I'm so bad with remembering track names. Yeah. I'm not good at that. So that's fuck. Forget that. I I don't know. There's (laughs) just one part though. And now every time I listen to that, I can hear exactly where the song ended. Like I listened to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just the song ended and it then it, cut and then f- f- cut off and then uh, you know you'd have like the the nice tape recorders that you it would like automatically re- start recording and the tape would go backwards I guess or like it would record the other side automatically you wouldn't have to take it out and right. turn the tape over right and so it would pick up essentially where you know not long after where the tape stopped. But I listened to it, or the recording stopped. I listened to that tape so many times that now when I listen to Master of Puppets, still, even all of these years later, um, I can hear... It's like imprinted in your brain. Yeah, it's, it's wild. So I would probably say I would at least have Master of Puppets just because that being on a home recording was is so endeared to me. So that's one side. What's your second side? Uh... Oh man. Uh, you know, I it would probably be Tales of Terror, the old punk band from Sacramento. Like old skate rock band. Has nothing really to do with Metallica, I don't think, but they were just they were so ahead of their time and influenced so many fucking bands that came after them. If you've not listened to the Tales of Terror record, it's uh the whole album's available on YouTube now, I think, and sometimes you can find vinyl copies. I there's I've only seen it one time and there's this guy Marty who lives in Sacramento and he has a copy of it and every time I'd see him he he's a DJ and every time I'd see him I'd ask him if I could see the record and like I'd look at it and hold it and stuff and I took <laughs> pictures of it and somebody like somebody uh who read my website had a copy of it and ended up sending it to me oh. a few years ago yeah so I have my very own copy of the Tales of Terror record. So it probably, yeah, Master of Puppets and, and Tales of Terror. That's cool. I like that. What about, what about you? Well, I, like you, I have a lot of these weird associations because I put records together that didn't make sense. Or even, so you remember the story about my friend Dave's Buick that got stolen at the Guar show? Yes. He and I used to drive around Boston and flip a tape that had whatever the op ivy record a lot of you know people are over op ivy whatever maybe whatever but we it had op ivy on one side and it had replacement sorry ma forgot to take out the trash on the other okay and that's a totally random and bizarre and meaningless association but i can't hear one record without thinking about the other one and there's so many like that like definitely i had peter tosh legalize it on one side and i don't think it was black flag damage i think it was like Maybe this the second Soul Asylum record before they started to suck. Uh, I just I don't think they ever started to suck. I think they just think <laughs> I mean, they they had a commercial they had commercial success and then. Kinda, okay. Yes, they I, changed. It wasn't my cup of tea, but. Right. I, Th- that's I, fair. I always, I always appreciate Soul Asylum. I well, the first maybe three records are so good. I love them so much. And I saw Soul Asylum so many times back then, like when I first came to Boston. Um, and I met them uh, at a party after one of the shows one time. That was not a that was not an auspicious meeting. 
it was one of those like, hey, what's up? And they were like, hey, what's up? <laughs> All right. Cool. 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 See ya. <laughs> cool. Um, <laughs> uh, but I would put like the set, the Soul Asylum. If I was going to do that road trip now, I'd put Soul Asylum, the hang time record on, okay. w- on one side. And then if we're going from that era, I would get like the Buffalo Tom record skeleton key or i don't know what they're fucking called bird brain one of the first couple of those because that sounds so much like boston in 1989 Hmm. well it doesn't have to be music from that era though right i just kind of picked i just kind of picked two that that i can like i'm never not in a mood to listen to them yeah and they and that but again i mean they're so fuck if you're going to talk about like music that has layers that you can always listen to no matter what mood you're in right there's like i've got a ton of bands like that i don't know if it's just three days fuck well actually okay i changed i probably put some monster magnet one of the some monster magnet i don't know yeah one of the like middle albums not not the earliest but like the middle stuff i'd probably do that if i was gonna do it right now based on everything that i know about i i would put um, the new, the latest quicksand record on one side and the latest torch Ugh. album on the other. And that would be, it. that'd be fine. Okay. If just but for John- right now, if I had three days and I was like, ah, oh, screw it. What's something that I know I like the whole record is good. It would be torch, the admission record and, uh, what is it? Distant populations, the new quicksand record. That would be, yeah. It. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll, we can revisit that, this question next week. And yeah. I'll Which have, record would you put on either side of the Frisbee? Have, I'll, I'll have an entirely different answer. That's it. The music ones always fuck me up because it's, you know, it's like a Vegas so buffet. What do you eat? I don't know. I might All as well it. sit down and cry. I can't have make I, a choice have, here. Have I told my buffet story? It's not, <laughs> it's not a buffet, a Vegas buffet story, but it was the first, the, my first buffet story. Uh-huh. It, it, no, let's have are it. you familiar? Okay. So <clears throat> I think I was probably nine or 10 or maybe eight. I'll, I'm going to say nine. And we went to Denver to the Marriott and had a buffet. There was a buffet there and it was after church for a little while. We went to church in central city at this little church up there. And, um, and then we drove down to Denver with some friends and had, I'd never seen a buffet before, I don't think. Mm. And I was like, I like, it's like those scenes in the movies where all of the sound turns down and yeah. you're just like, what the fuck, what the, what the fuck is this? Like, I, I can have any of this. <laughs> and so my parents, you know, were hanging out with their friends and they're talking and whatever, not really paying any attention to what I was doing. And I was eating one of everything, at least one of everything. And you could get scrambled eggs and regular waffles and Belgian waffles and link sausage and ham and fucking fruit and pastries. And, and so I ate everything and I was wrecked. I was fucking ruined, but I like got to the end and there's a soft serve machine and that you can control, like you can make, you can fill your own bowl with ice cream. And I was like, well, I don't care how full I am. I can't let this opportunity pass me by. Mom, dad, fuck it. I live here now. <laughs> so so I I eat this bowl of ice cream. And I remember like looking at this one last little bite of, like, of ice cream. And I just sort of pushing it around the bottom of the bowl. I was like, I can't, I can't, <laughs> I can't do this. Uh, finally, powered it down. And then whatever. My parents are like, all right, well, let's, you know, let's go. We're going to go to a friend's house. And <laughs> And I was sitting in the back seat of the car in my like in my little church clothes, and I like couldn't bend in the middle. I was so uncomfortable. And my dad said, "You need you want me to pull over?" And I was it like hurt to breathe. I was so full. And I said, "Yeah, I think so." So he pulls over, and he just drives super slowly down the street while me in my little church clothes. I'm like walking alongside of the car, like I was a, like a box like a boxer in training. But I was just like walking, walking a little bit of my meal off. You and, didn't barf? Uh-uh. Uh, no. I really thought this was going to end up with like one of the rear seat wells filled with Yeah, vomit. no. 
No, I got a, I got a pretty strong, uh, what esophagus, whatever that. Yeah, I, it, I never felt nauseous. I was just so uncomfortable, powerfully uncomfortable. Yeah, I've been. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that has nothing to do with road trips, but that was just that was my first buffet. I had a girlfriend in college who told me that I ate like I didn't know if I was going to eat <sighs> again, and that always kind of stuck with me. Like I, you know, I try to. I don't like throwing food away. Oh, Hmm? yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I I get you. So if the food is there and there's not enough to take, you know, it's like, what? This is a fucking three bites of an enchilada. Like, I'm not going to throw it away. I'm not going to take it home. So I'm just going to eat it, even though I'm totally not hungry, which, you know, I'm like probably a morbidly obese person, like fighting to get out (laughs) of this Adonis-like physique. (laughs) At my house, we just call that dad food. Like my, I have kids, right? And the kids are like, I'm not eating the last three bites of that. I'm like, give it to me because I'm the same as you, but I have multiple plates to deal with. And I don't want to like, I'm not going to put that in Tupperware or whatever the fuck. I'm not going to wrap, like, just give it to me. That's all dad food. Or if it's burned, if it's burned, oh, just give it to dad. Shit, I burned you're, it. You're like the you're like the uh the bi bipedal dog. I mean, yeah, bipedal dog. Pretty much. Like, you drop some shit on the floor. Be like, don't don't fucking sweep that up. Dad'll eat it. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. And you're right. <laughs> if I wasn't, if I did not live a supremely active lifestyle, I would have exploded. I would have just. I would not be yeah. morbidly obese. I would have ruptured at some yeah. point. Like that guy in the Monty Python skit. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so that's my buffet story. That's a couple road trip stories. What are we looking at in terms of time here? Are we we got to get to it. We got to get to this. Would you rather real quick? Okay. Okay. Um, why don't you read it? And I All decided right. this is one that I, this is the a would you rather that I came up with. And I, if I play something on my computer. I uh, play it right here. I got oh, it. You've got I, got, it. I got it right here. Probably. You got it queued up. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, The the question is, uh, would you rather listen to the Mountain Dew jingle only for the rest of your life? I'm going to play the jingle in a minute or randomly get one finger broken per month for the next five years. And what's funny is I didn't think much about this episode, but I thought a lot about this. (laughs) Let's see. That's, that's terrible. Stop. Let, let, me, let me play it. I can't hear shit. I think if I play it on my computer. Doing it country cool, Mountain Dew. Yeah. So, okay. So the, just to preface this, this scene, it is uh, a bunch of dudes uh, with monster trucks and like cool jacked up old uh, F150s and stuff like the trucks in it are really neat and i remember this commercial from when i was yeah, a kid absolutely. it was like a saturday morning cartoon here we go Yeah, did that go through? No? Yeah, I think that probably, it's in your headphones, so I can't hear it, but that's fine. Um, the I thing know to know about it. this commercial is that it's, um, it is magically homoerotic. Uh, unbelievably, unbelievably so. Yeah, I, it's so beautiful. It's such a beautiful encapsulation of, I don't know what. The trucks are cool. The dudes look like themed strippers. A little bit. Like cowboy themed strippers, would you say? Yeah. yeah. And they are out of their minds excited together about truck driving. I mean, when that there's that one scene where the the guy like ducks out at like one guy's trying to pin the other guy up against the truck to maybe sneak a kiss and the guy... I swear it's a guy. Am I right? I mean, when I was a kid, I thought it was a woman, but 
like upon multiple reviews of this video. I don't think there are any women in this. I'm happy to not know the answer. I like it both ways, all the ways. It's so good. It's so, yeah, it's, it's insanely homoerotic. And I guess, uh, since we can't, that sucks. We'll just have to edit that whole segment (laughs) out. But, um, uh, Mountain Dew ad, uh, 1985. What is the description? Um, cool rig, uh, cool, country cool big trucks. That's yeah. that's the description that you want to go find look that. Up. So my answer um, is I will listen to that jingle only for the rest of my life because I did and and that pains me to say, but I did the math, the not very hard math here. Basically, <laughs> I have to have sixty broken fingers in the space of five years. That's five <laughs> times twelve. That's all of my fingers six times each, which. You know, like, and then I started to think, like, how many broken fingers would it be worth to not have to listen to that jingle the rest of my life? Well, first of all, let's let's scroll back and just admit that that's a rockin' little tune. It is. It so reminds really, me a lot of the um, Juicy Fruit ad. Uh, yeah, yeah. But when remember they say, get your skis shined up? Yeah. What, what the, the fuck, fuck is, is that? that? <laughs> <laughs> Get your skis shined up. I have never shined my skis. No. Ever. Yeah. In in all of my years. Maybe once Um, you, maybe they put it backwards. Maybe you should grab a stick of juicy fruit first and then shining your skis makes more sense. I don't know, but it is that same vibe where it's like this, this sort of like corny, magical rock song married to a product that makes no sense associated with like why am i skiing why is gum making me so excited to ski i don't know i don't know because you're you but your skis are shined oh because i shined them up that's probably right sh- and then and, and this is a little bit of john cougar melon camp in this one. Oh yeah I don't know. Uh, and, and I thought like when I came up with this, I thought I would definitely take my take the broken fingers. I've broken my fingers before. It's not the worst thing in the world. I would take 10 broken fingers. You could break all of my fingers once. Once a month. Yeah. Like deal with for 10 one. Months. Like that would be terrible. That would be terrible. And you would still definitely have problems after that. But I can't have 60 broken, like, you know, like you get over a broken (laughs) finger and then, but wait 10 months, that one's going to get broken again. And that's going to happen for five years. (laughs) You're like, oh, fuck, it's the 15th again. Yeah. Well, here, time to break another finger. I mean, it would take more than a month for the finger to heal. So then you're dealing with multiple broken fingers at a time. You would probably have three broken fingers at a time for the next five years. Yeah. Um, that's rough. okay. Maybe I didn't really. Yeah, maybe two years of broken fingers. Twenty-four broken fingers. I don't know. Even ten. Even <laughs> ten months would be. I'd do ten months of broken fingers. Um, I wouldn't do five years of broken fingers. No. But uh, the uh, this song is so fucking entrenched in my head <laughs> now that like I just think I think about it all the time. If there's not music playing, yeah, the Mountain Dew jingle is playing in my head well because when things get hot do is what you got do is what you got (laughs) (laughs) i also man i I think i i even commented on the video i i don't so i commented somewhere it's just it's just like i can't the, the the phrasing is bananas the music's bananas the the visual components of the of the video or the ad itself are insane. The th- I don't know. Here's a missing wrinkle that you haven't considered. Okay. So that group of guys, if they existed, would have beer in their cooler, not Mountain Dew, right? Right. Unless they were Mormons. And if they were Mormons, Mountain Dew would be the most rad thing. And I love the idea of this cabal of gay Mormon dudes in big trucks <laughs> jacked up on caffeine, just thrilled to bits with life. Just happy yeah. to be alive. I love that yeah. so much. 
Yeah. Well, any way you slice it, it's not a bad, it's not a bad scenario. I don't you know, think it's so. either, it's everybody's having fun yeah. and it's, uh, I mean, the amount of, it's what Mountain Dew was like the Dew tour, right? Yeah. That was like, that was like a precursor. This is 1985. This predated Nitro Circus and X Games and oh, all yeah, that yeah, shit yeah. by decades. But this ad like, hey, you gonna want to go do a fucking derby, like a monster truck derby, and we're just gonna be driving around and racing each other, and then we're gonna throw Jeff in the lake afterwards. Yeah, it's gonna be hilarious. It's gonna be awesome. Okay, it, so it precedes the uh, boom boom huck jam, big time. So we both agreed yes. that if we only had to get our fingers broken for ten months, that we'd do that. Yeah, uh, but if it was for sixty fingers, if it was sixty <laughs> finger, basically you're crippled for life. I guess we're just listening to the Mountain Dew jingle forever. Forever. Okay. (laughs) Well, uh, thanks for listening to Revolting. If you have questions for us or topics you want us to pontificate on, email me at stevel at cyclingindependent.com. If you like this or any other fun stuff you find on the Cycling Independent, please share it with a friend. It's the only way, the only way to keep this party going. (laughs) I love writing, rewriting the outro and then watching you read it for the first time. <laughs> and you're like, I can see you read ahead to be, to be like, oh, this is cringy as fuck right here. <laughs> here we go. Here we go. Jumping off. Anyway, yeah. until next time. Thank you, Robot. I'm steve I'm Robot. Don't forget to suck it. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>